Hello, my name is Alberto Ruiz, and I am the Interim Director of the El Paso United Family Resiliency Center, and I will be your host in this episode of United and Resilient. Stay tuned, because this will be a very special episode. As many of you know, El Paso United Family Resiliency Center is a safe space created to promote the long-term healing of our community after the Walmart tragedy of August 3, 2019. This very podcast is part of our healing efforts to promote mental and physical well-being. We have covered many topics during the last three years, from healing through body movement to the importance of music in mental health. And today, we would like to focus on the group of people who have decided to step up to the challenge and help our community heal after the August 3rd tragedy. This episode is very special because we will get to know the FRC family. We will get an insight on the healing journey of our community through the eyes of the people who work every day to ensure that our community has the necessary resources to move forward on their journey. And without further ado, let's meet the team. Ms. Telma, as our gatekeeper, will you do us the honor and start? Hello, my name is Telma de la Rosa. I am the resource specialist here at the Family Resiliency Center, the FRC. My role here is to greet and welcome the community to the FRC, the Family Resiliency Center. Since I am the first point of contact, I want everyone to know that we are here to offer a safe and inclusive environment to those who were directly or indirectly affected from the August 3rd, 2019 tragedy, which happened at Walmart. Thank you so much, Ms. Termina. And tell us, uh, what made you want to join the FRC team? I wanted to join the United Way because I have enormous respect for the four principles of the United Way and I identify with them. I also especially wanted to join the FRC because they treat everyone here with kindness and compassion and it's a place where healing can begin. Delma, tell us what you used to do before you joined the FRC team. I previously worked at HHSC, Health and Human Services where I served the community for 31 years. I began as a case manager and ended my career as a quality control analyst. And I retired in 2015. That was Ms. Thelma de la Rosa. She is our gatekeeper. If you ever come to the FRC, the minute you walk through the through a front door, you'll see her friendly face and she will be more than happy to assist you. Thank you so much, Thelma. And now we're moving on to the heart and soul of the FRC, the ones who make the healing happen, and they are the resiliency navigators. We're going to start with uh, Des. Uh, Des, um, tell us more about you. Hello, my name is Desiree Castillo. I go by Des for short. I am a resiliency navigator here at the Family Resiliency Center. Prior to my position becoming a navigator, I was actually the resource specialist. I was the resource specialist for about two years. Um, and while I was in that position, that is when I saw the impact that the navigators had. I already had work experience as a caseworker with the YWCA in the child care services sector. So I understood the concept of social work, but the difference between a navigator and a social worker is that personal touch. And that was something that I held with such high regard when I applied for the position, and that is something I still maintain. One of the reasons that I wanted to join the FRC, and I'm glad that I am a part of this amazing organization, is 
I was actually at the Fountains of Pharaoh when August 3rd happened and seeing the impact that it had just on the community members there, it really impacted me and just kind of seeing the aftermath after, you know, it, it really resonated with me and it really kind of set my heart on fire to want to help the community grow and want to work in a place that provides a safe environment and kind of helps formulate different formulas for different members because we don't, you know, they all have different, you know, time frames. They have different healing um, timelines. And that's something that's really amazing about being a navigator is that we help them formulate on their own terms. We help them navigate the re how to become resilient, how to heal. And we do it on their terms. And that is the main reason as to why I pursued this role as a resiliency navigator. Thank you so much for sharing this, and 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 yeah, you're right. And what you what you mentioned reminds me of what uh, what uh, a person from the resiliency center in, in Pittsburgh said once that uh, all resiliency navigators they uh, they walk hand in hand down the the healing path that each participant decides to uh, to follow, and uh, and that's really special. Thank you so much for sharing. The next resiliency navigator is uh, Lubia. Uh, Lubia joined uh, the FRC this year. And uh, please tell us more about yourself. Hello, everyone. My name is Lubia Guac. I currently serve as a navigator with the Family Resiliency Center. I currently hold a master's in social work. My background includes clinical work military families and working with the senior community. I felt that I had to help in some way and when the opportunity to work with the FRC became available, I wanted, I think more than anything, I wanted to be part of the healing process within our community here in El Paso. Um, I just felt I had to bring more hope to the community by letting them know that everyone has support throughout this difficult journey. And so I feel that my purpose has definitely been to be present, um, to listen to our community members, and to try to serve as best as possible. Thank you so much for sharing, Lubia. And, uh, and yeah, you're right, like uh, everyone here is committed to helping the community and, uh, and it shows like we feel really happy to, uh, to have a team and to have you be part of it uh, because um, the commitment of e your commitment and everyone's commitment, it, it shows and it reflects on what we do for the community. Thank you so much for sharing. And the next member of the Resiliency Navigation Team is Fabian. Fabian, um, do us a favor and tell us more about yourself. Hi, my name is Fabian Laviaga. I am a resilience navigator. And in the past, I had the opportunity to do some activism with Amnesty International. Um, after that, I had the opportunity to join an amazing organization called Hopeland in Washington State. Uh, eventually, I, I ended up working at the Central Texas Food Bank in Austin. And now I'm here at the FRC in El Paso. I wanted to be in a position where I felt I was going to have a positive impact in the community. Um, where I was going to be contributing to something that I believe in. But I wanted to do it with an organization that was going to give me the right tools to successfully do this. 
and I feel that the FRC provided that. I feel that the FRC provided me with the opportunity to keep fighting the good fight, as some people say. Next, we have Jorge. He is the fourth resiliency navigator. And uh, Jorge, tell us more about yourself. Hi, my name is Jorge Lozano. And uh, just a little bit about me. I completed my bachelor's in criminal justice from UTEP. And prior to joining this current position, I worked for the Department of Unemployment in Maryland. I made the decision to join the FRC because I wanted to assist my city in finding resiliency and healing after this tragic event. Um, I appreciate the, the dynamic work environment that the FRC provides, and I admire how it offers a space for individuals to embark on their, on their healing journey. And you just met our navigation team. Uh, next, we have our uh, grant administrator. His name is Jesus. Jesus, um, tell us more about yourself and what you do at the FRC. Hello, my name is Jesus Quinones. I'm the FRC grant administrator. In my experience in providing human services, I've uh, worked for another nonprofit here, El Paso, that provides uh, services, health and human services to the community, to uh, underserved communities of El Paso. And uh, when, I was, uh, when I found this opportunity with the uh, United Way of El Paso County through the FRC, I decided to join uh, the FRC because of the opportunity that allows me to contribute to our, to our community. Uh, this is, I think this is a very important uh, job and a very important department within United Way because he helped those families that were affected by August the 3rd. And that's what it's all about, about helping each other, helping people. And that's, that's what we're here for. Thank you so much for sharing, JQ. And, um, and I believe it is my turn to share now. It is always easier to ask the questions than to talk about oneself. But here I go. As I mentioned before, my name is Alberto Ruiz, and I am the NRM director here of the El Paso United Family Resiliency Center. have a background in counseling and a migrant protection before working for the United Way and being part of the FRC team, I was a Consular Protection Officer at the Consulate General of Mexico here in El Paso. I did that for nine years. And uh, on August 3rd, I happened to be on call uh, when, um, when the tragedy happened and the Family Reunification Center opened. I was uh, one of the first people to arrive there and start assisting the community. And seeing how, like, how everyone, like how El Pasoans and people from Juarez, how everyone came together in that that dark time, and um, they uh, they relied on each other for support. It it really made me refocus um, what I wanted to do and who I wanted to serve. I love working at the Mexican consulate, but I was able to serve only Mexican nationals. And working for the FRC, uh, it has given me the opportunity to serve this community that I think has given me so much. I'm not originally from El Paso. I was born and raised in, in Mexico. But, uh, but El Paso has uh, taken me in, has given me so much, and um, having the opportunity to serve its community and give back to them some of uh, all the things that I have gotten from, from the city, uh, all the opportunities, it's really important. And I feel really, really fortunate to, uh, to be part of this team that is... Um, that is the FRC, and I feel really, really fortunate to work with every single person that makes the healing possible here. So um, there, you, there you have it. Um, now you know the team that makes the healing possible. 
so stay tuned and we will get to know more about them and how being part of these efforts have changed the way they see our community. Guys, we're all proud of pastors here, right? Either by birth or by choice. And I'm pretty sure we were all shocked to learn about the events of August 3rd. I know that as a team, we have shared how this mass casualty event marked a before and after in our community. And we have also talked about the incredible amount of acts of kindness and solidarity from all over the country we saw when that happened. With that in mind, what is the situation that you experienced that gave you hope during this dark chapter? Um, the story that touched me the most was with had to do with the man who lost his wife, Mr. Tony Basco. And the reason it touched me so much was because he invited everyone to come to his wife's funeral and because he said he was alone here. And I was so moved when they had so many people, they even had to move the venue to a different place. And I believe like about 3,000 people attended and they waited patiently to give, uh, to give him his, to give their regards to Mr. Bosco. And it inspired me so much because it was a story that was based and rooted out of hatred and racism but he flipped the story. And he flipped the story to mean that here in El Paso, we are, have the ability to show grace and compassion and love for one another. And I was so impressed that he even received flowers from all over the world. Everyone was touched by his story. And it brought everyone together. And so, his story is based on tragedy, but it ended up being a story about strength and resiliency, and I'm so proud to be an El Pasoan when I see that story. Thank you so much for sharing, Ms. Telma, and, uh, and I'm right there with you that that story is a story that, that, that touched me as well. Uh, like People don't know this, but um, I lived down the street from where the, the funeral was hosted, and that day I didn't know that the funeral was taking place and I was walking my dog down Elm Street uh, which is where the, the funeral home was located and when I saw that and I saw the incredible amount of people that were waiting in line uh, it went all the way around the block and I found out what was going on it it was uh, it was overwhelming like the sense of unity and like that the, the amount of, of love that was being displayed it was um, it, it was something else and, and I totally agree with you with uh, yeah, he flipped this, uh, the script and he turned it from a story about hatred to a story about love and unity and uh, thank you so much for sharing that Ms. Thelma alrighty Des you and I like have had conversations like about all these events that we saw and, 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 and things we experienced uh, tell us what is the thing that moved you the most during that the aftermath of, of what happened in 2019? So I would say something that really moved me after the tragedy of um, August 3rd, 2019 was, I don't know if you remember, but when the tattoo artists of El Paso, some tattoo artists of El Paso um, were giving away tattoos or they were giving tattoos at a certain price. And I remember all the proceeds went to the victims and their families. 
So the reason that that really resonated with me is because I know the slogan, El Paso Strong, is very triggering. I have heard community members say, well, we don't feel very strong. We didn't feel strong in that moment. We don't feel strong right now. And, and that is very valid. But the fact that we had community members willing to, one, get something tattooed on their body that's permanent, because I think that that's a really significant thing, is that they put something on their body that represented what happened. And I think that the fact that they did that, not only just to represent what happened and to show pride in the community, but to give something to the families. It was like their way of also giving back. And to me, I don't know, a tattoo is something so significant to me because if you're putting something on your body that's going to be there forever, it means something. There's a story. And to me, that was like the beginning of, okay, this happened to us and it it hurts and it's sad and it's so unfortunate. But the fact that the community is coming together in a way that I have never heard of other cities or other places that have dealt with a similar situation have came together. I feel that that really represented what El Paso was about and how we came together. And it kind of just reemphasizes our slogan here at the Family Resiliency Center, which is together we heal. And to me, that that's what resonates. That's what I think of when I think of a significant event that kind of shed light that we are going to get over this and we will be stronger about it and yeah that's just something to think about well i did not remember that but but you're right yeah that that did happen and like you said uh having a tattoo that says all paso strong is it's both intimate and public it's intimate because it's on your body for the rest of your life but it is public because if you have it on a on a place of your body that people can see on your arm or on your um, on your legs, people will see it. So it's both intimate and public at the same time, and, and it is a real story of uh, strength and wearing the resiliency on your skin. Thank you so much for reminding us of that story. This, alrighty, uh, who wants to be next? Let's see, Miss Luvia, will you share with us what was the thing that you saw or experienced that gave you hope? Alberto, uh, thank you again for allowing us to use this space um, and this platform to talk and just share what we have experienced in our community throughout this journey. I wouldn't say that there's a spe one specific situation. I What I did witness and what I have seen is the unity of the community as a whole. Um, I have been able to see that there is still good in the world and definitely witnessed humanity at its best. People are taking the time and I think that word time is is very meaningful. Um, I don't think that we use it as much as we should and so when we take the time to listen and do simple acts of just being there for one another it reassures our community um, and our community members that things will be okay keeping in mind that we have different communities diverse communities including our military family and i think that the healing process has really impacted and served its its purpose, I think, with trying to give w one another the support that we need 
to get through this together. I think you're totally right, and um, I, I kind of feel the same. I, I saw what, what what you're talking about, not just uh, in uh, us or, or people dedicated to helping professions, but in the community at large. And uh, and yeah, I think everyone stepped up to the challenge. Thank you so much for sharing, Lubia. And uh, now uh, let's move on to let's see, Jorge. Uh, what was that that thing that gave you hope uh, back then in 2019? Well, uh, during this tragic event, uh, what gave me hope and inspired me was the way our community rallied together, uh, forming this powerful movement of uh, strong El Paso. Uh, witnessing organizations and business and people offering their support and empathy was truly encouraging. One remarkable example of this unity uh, was the unexpected decision by local bars and nightclubs to voluntarily close the doors out of respect and sensitivity for the victims and their families. This act exemplifies the care within our community during such a challenging time, preventing any inappropriate celebrations and, and party. Well, I totally forgot that the, uh, that bars did that. And, and yeah, like a lot of bars didn't open for, for a few days. And, and the city was dwelling uh, a, a huge loss. Uh, I thank you for reminding me of that, Jorge. And, uh, yeah, that is how we as a community came together in so many different ways. Thank you. Thank you for bringing that back up and reminding us that that, that happened. And uh, now we have uh, our next navigator, which uh, is Fabian. Fabian, uh, what, what is it that you remember that gave you hope back then? Well, in recent times, we were already seeing different organizations and individuals acknowledging the importance of providing assistance and helping those in need in many different ways and with different resources. But after August 3rd, seeing all these groups and agencies working together towards one common goal, uh, that goal being helping our community heal, to me that was impressive and definitely gave me hope. So. Yeah, definitely a shout out to all those agencies that help us uh, fulfill our mission. I think you're totally right. The amount of institutional support that we saw back then, so many agencies, so many nonprofits, uh, it, 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 was, it was really impressive. And uh, their commitment, their commitment also thing is worth mentioning. Like you said, they help us fulfill our mission even uh, four years after the after the tragedy, they still they're still here, and uh, they're our community partners, and they help us serve the people who were affected by the tragedy. Thank you so much for bringing that up, uh, Jesus. Uh, tell us what is it that you saw back then? For me, August the third um, happened when uh, my wife and I we had taken her her doggies to the vet, and. We would, took him back to her mom's house, and I was looking at social media, I was looking at Facebook, and all of a sudden, one of my friends posted a live, a live video. Uh, my friend was in the parking lot of, uh, of Walmart, and then there was a possible, they were saying that there was a possible shooting. So I started uh, watching the news, and we were concerned for what, what happened. My wife and I were going through emotions, different emotions, we were sad, we were surprised. At the same time, we were angry because, you know, what type of individual will do something like this to, to El Paso families? Um, so we started uh, continuing, we continued watching the news and there were reports that they, were, that they needed uh, 
blood donations that they needed, the water that they needed, eyes for all the the first responders and 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 possible uh, victims who who were still you know who haven't who were still there at the, at Walmart. So my wife and I we wanted to contribute and and uh, we want we uh, continue watching the news and we wanted to go donate blood, but unfortunately you know we couldn't uh, at that time because they was they said that already had enough. And then, you know, they also offered the opportunity for us to donate water and ice. So we decided to go to the uh, nearby Albertsons. And, you know, one of the things that surprised me, and I don't know, because everybody was scared, concerned. Everybody knew what was going on. Uh, I saw a lot of people with uh, cases of water, buying ice, uh, Gatorade, juices. And I was thinking maybe they're doing it for the same purpose. And... I like to think they were, and uh, you know that gave me hope, that gave me motivation, and my wife and I just got that water and that ice to get over to the nearby one of the nearby locations uh, to take the those donations was the, uh, the the Pebble Hills Regional Command, so that's where we headed, and we saw a long line of you know Pasoans people coming together and wanting to help the the community, wanting to help for those people that were possibly you know, injured, hurt, and, you know, people that we don't even know, but, you know, we feel for them because they went through such a difficult situation. So that, for me, that's what gave me hope. Thank you for sharing that that personal story, JQ. Um, and, and I also remember that that type of community engagement lasted for weeks. I remember um, for at least the next two weeks, I would be visiting hospitals, in every single floor where there was someone who was injured, who was being treated at a hospital, there was a constant flow of uh, food, flowers, and uh, drinks. Uh, people just wanted to help. They were compelled and moved to, uh, to reach out to all these people they, they didn't know and they would probably never know, uh, but they wanted to offer some comfort, and, and, and that was really moving. I, I still get chills uh, thinking about it. Thank you so much, Jesus. And thank you so much to everyone for sharing your stories. Uh, there you have it from um, from people wanting to pay their respects to the victims, to tattoo artists, bars closing, institutional support like stepping up to the challenge, the community coming together to provide what's needed for the victims and everyone who was affected and everyone who was assisting them. I think that all these stories help us reflect on the resiliency and the tenacity of not just our city, but the entire borderland with, with our sister cities of Juarez, Las Cruces, even Chihuahua. I want to thank the entire team for their time and, of course, for their trust to share their stories. And I want to thank our listeners, of course, for sticking around and being part of this special episode of United in Resilient. If you or someone you know feels affected by the August 3rd tragedy, do not hesitate to contact us. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Once again, my name is Alberto Ruiz. I am the Interim Director of the El Paso United Family Resiliency Center, and it was my pleasure to be your host in this episode of United and Resilient.